Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. How many of you remember kaleidoscopes? I remember back when I was a kid, there was the cheap version of a kaleidoscope. Remember, you'd get those in like a goodie bag if you went to somebody's party. You could get them at the dollar store, Dollar General, Dollar Tree. And uh, that kaleidoscope was only about that big. And you'd hold it up to your eyes, and you'd look through there, and you'd have to spin it manually with your hand. And looking through that prism or that crystal, I'm sure it wasn't a crystal if you got it at the dollar store, but looking through there, the image on the other side of the kaleidoscope was refracted. And you could see, instead of just one face on the other side, you could see eight faces. And if you spun your kaleidoscope, that face would go round and around. But then, then there were the fancy kaleidoscopes. Then there were those fancy ones that were much longer. Remember these? They were made up of two parts, and they didn't just have one little prism inside of them, not just one little refractor, but they had a bunch of mirrors in there. I was always jealous of the kids who had those big kaleidoscopes. And it was great fun. It was kind of endless hours of fun to just hold the kaleidoscope up to your eye and point it all over the place and twist it. And remember, as you twisted it, that image that was on the other side, that was really only one image, became a whole kaleidoscope of spinning shapes. It was like having the hall of mirrors in your own pocket. You could point it at whatever you want. You could point it at your friends. You could point it at the TV. You could point it at anything. And as you spun, it was like the whole world was revolving in your eye. I say that this morning because I want you to think of what we have heard this morning in our readings as a sort of kaleidoscope. There is a kaleidoscopic thing that's happening in our readings this morning. You heard Ezekiel speak of a resurrection. You heard of Ezekiel prophesy of a time when the Lord God would open up the tombs and when the Spirit of God, the wind, the breath of the Lord would rush in to those slain. And you heard of another time Very similar, but like a kaleidoscope, things change just a little bit. Of a bunch of guys no longer in a valley, but in an upper room and locked in fear, they were in a sort of living death, don't you think? And then the Lord came and stood among them, just like Ezekiel stood among those dry bones, and the Lord breathed on those slain, and they became an exceedingly great army. But something strange happens as you're hearing these things. They sort of blend together in the kaleidoscope of the readings this morning. You can't quite tell where Ezekiel's prophecy ends and where the Gospel of John begins. And if you spin it long enough and you see clearly enough, here's the wonderful thing. Your own life will be caught up in that kaleidoscope. Because the truth is that what Ezekiel saw in the valley and what John witnessed in the upper room and what you yourself have happening to you this morning are not a bunch of different things, but they are one. The breath of the Lord blows on those slain and he raises up an exceedingly great army out of dry, brittle, dead, hopeless Bones, And here I don't just speak about something that Ezekiel saw, nor am I simply talking about something that Thomas and the other 12 experienced, for the Lord still blows his breath. The Lord still infuses his spirit into his people. And where the breath of the Lord is blown, where the spirit of God is breathed out, 
there is life. There was a valley. There was an upper room, and there is our own world. There were dead bones, there were frightened disciples, and then there is us. There was Ezekiel, that son of man. There was Jesus, that Lord God. And there is still Jesus, the Lord God. There was the wind from the four corners of the earth. There was the breath from the mouth of Jesus. And there is still the Holy Spirit rushing out to God's people. And there was in that valley an exceedingly great army. And there was in that upper room an exceedingly great army of 12 apostles. And there is in this place an exceedingly great army. Although you might not know it. This is what the kaleidoscope of God's word does for us this morning. It brings together these three seemingly disparate and different events and it merges them all together into one. So first, just consider the power of despair. The power of despair, because that's what Ezekiel saw in the valley. He saw some dead, dry bones. And the reason that God's word emphasizes the fact that they were dry It's always important to pay attention to the adjectives. Scripture doesn't just throw out adjectives randomly. God's word, the Holy Spirit who inspired God's word, is not a, um, he's not verbose in the way that some talkers today are. Preachers fall into that category. Preachers make their living by speaking. And so often what happens with preachers is that they talk, 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 talk so much and they throw out beautiful, amazing, powerful, majestic, awesome. They throw out all kinds of adjectives. God's word, God's word is usually very concise. And so when you get an adjective like the bones were very dry, pay attention to it. What Ezekiel saw in that valley were not just bones that had recently died. What Ezekiel saw in that valley were bones that were very dry. And the point, the significance of that, is that those bones were completely sapped of life. There was no marrow in those bones. They had been out under the scorching sun for years and years and years and generations and generations. They'd been picked clean by the carrion. They had been left out there to the elements, to the wind and to the waters and to the sun. And so they were very, very dry. And that is a picture that I want you to remember because it is something that we ourselves are familiar with. Those dry bones, those dry, exceedingly dry bones, were a picture of a hopeless nation. And that picture of a hopeless nation you can compare with what Jesus saw in the upper room when he came to his disciples. Oh, sure, their bones weren't very dry. Jesus wasn't walking around among bones out in a valley, but isn't it the same thing? He was walking into a room devoid of hope. And a room devoid of hope, a heart devoid of hope, is as good as dead. Maybe you've had this awful experience of having to live through a hopeless situation. A hopeless situation is a living death. That's my point this morning. And that power of despair saps you of any energy. It saps you of any power. It saps you of any life. After all, if there is no hope, if nothing can change in whatever the situation might be, whether it's my health, my job, my friendships, whatever it might be, my nation that I live in, if there is no hope, then what's the point? What's the point of even trying? 
where there is no hope. That must have been... That must have been what was going on with the disciples in the upper room. What is the point? Let's just sit here in this room. Let's just lock the doors. We're not even going to try to leave Jerusalem because what's the point? They're just going to find us in the end. After all, look what they did to Jesus. They're going to find us. They're going to torture us. They're going to kill us. And there is no hope because, because there is no more Jesus. So the disciples thought. And again, twist the kaleidoscope and see if you don't see something of yourself in them and in those dry bones in the valley. We have been living under the hopeless situation of our world. We have been living for the past two years under the fear of sickness and certain death. And the long winter is coming and there's nothing you can do and there's nothing you can say and there is no hope. So why even try? Just stay in your rooms. Stay home. Stay safe. Don't live. Don't do anything. Because why would you? There is no hope. And a hopeless people, when hope is extinguished, quickly becomes a people with no will, with no power, with no life, with no joy. Underneath the fear of sickness, there is this living kind of death. Oh, sure, life might go on, but it is a living sort of death. And that same fear, that same hopelessness and dismay and discouragement haunts us in almost every aspect of our life together. What's the point of hoping when there is no hope? What's the point of trying when there is no hope? What's the point of going on any longer when everything just ends up in decline anyways? What's the point of electing this politician when he's just going to end up like the last one? What's the hope of trying in this situation when it's just all going to fall apart again? This is the kind of exceedingly dry life that seems to be all around us, hanging over us. But the joy of this day and the joy of this season and the joy of our Lord Jesus Christ cannot be extinguished. And I am here today to tell you of a hope, a hope that cannot dry out. I am here to tell you of a hope that no valley of dry bones can ever suck out. I am here to tell you of a hope that the sun cannot destroy. I am here to tell you of a hope that the wind and the rain cannot wipe clean. I am here to tell you of a hope that cannot be locked away, for Christ indeed is not dead. He is risen. And when he comes to his disciples, he brings to them the power of hope. Hope in the midst of dismay. Hope in the midst of despair. Hope in the midst of darkness and the veil of death that seems to be so thick over us. For those dry bones, hope meant sinews. And it meant muscles. And it meant breath. And it meant life again from the grave. And for the disciples, it meant the very same thing that they did not have a hopeless situation on their hands, that they didn't have to just lock themselves up in a room and sit there and say, well, let's just count down the hours until the Jews find us and do the same thing to us that they did to our master. No, Ezekiel prophesied to those bones. And the Lord God caused the wind of the four corners of the earth to rush into those bones and give them life. And what Ezekiel did... The Lord Jesus does even better. Jesus came and stood among a bunch of hopeless disciples. Maybe you know the feeling. And what he did to them, he does for you. 
that's nice, isn't it? I don't like technology much, but it's pretty nice when you can blow into the microphone. The Lord Jesus breathed on them, and just like the wind in Ezekiel's prophecy, the breath of Jesus Christ brings hope to those who are stuck in despair. Peace be with you, Jesus said. And what I love about the peace of Jesus is that it's not the kind of peace, you know, that puts you to sleep. There is that kind of peace in the world, the sort of narcotic peace that just knocks you out, that just sucks all life out of you. You won't feel anything now, sir. Just count backwards from 100, and you start counting backwards, and before you even get to 90, you're knocked out. Well, that's peace, right? But that's a dead kind of peace. And the peace that the Lord Jesus brings into the world, the breath of the Lord Jesus, is no narcotic that saps you of life. And feeling it does just the opposite. What did it do for those apostles in the upper room? Peace be with you, he said. And they became an army, for they were sent out. Not reduced, not diminished, not told to just hold on, guys, and maybe you'll make it someday, but they were sent out into the thing that they feared. They were sent out to those who they were so afraid of, and when they went out, they were carried not by their own breath, not by their own power, not by their own hopes, but they were carried by the breath, the wind of Jesus, the very spirit of the Lord God. And if you look in the kaleidoscope of these readings this morning, you will see that the Lord Jesus does the same thing for you. You who sit in the fear of death and the shadow of darkness, you who feel your sins hanging around you and you feel and see the corruption of a sinful and fallen world and you think, well, what's the point? Here's the point. Jesus lives. He has overcome the world, and he lives to bring you this very same life-giving peace, not the kind of peace that knocks you out and says, just hang on for 70 years, and then I'll take you up into heaven, but the kind of peace, the kind of peace that makes you active in this world, the kind of peace that sends you out into this world as a little beacon of hope, a little breath of fresh air in a world that does not have much if any at all. Jesus comes with the power of hope to those who are stuck under the power of despair, and the breath of Jesus blows despair away, and in place of it, he gives life. He gives peace, for he brings and he breathes forgiveness on his sinful people, and he brings and he breathes life on his living dead people, and he brings and he breathes holiness and joy and righteousness and life on those who are stuck under the power of the devil. And so Ezekiel prophesied, and so the Lord Jesus breathed, and so the Lord Jesus still breathes on his people. And what happens then is that an army is raised up. Isn't that what Ezekiel saw? An exceedingly great army out of exceedingly dry bones. And isn't that what Jesus saw in the upper room? An exceedingly great army that would change the world, that would go and proclaim the good news, even if it meant their own death. Oh, make no mistake, those disciples, those apostles were an army. But they didn't fight with swords and with spears and with arrows and with tanks and with bombs. They fought with the word of God. And you today... 
You today, who the Lord Jesus blows on. You today, who the Spirit of God still infuses with his grace. You today, who hear the words of the living God, who taste and drink the body and blood of the risen Lord Jesus. You are to be an exceedingly great army. Now, that doesn't mean you have to go out and fight with your hands. It doesn't mean you have to go home and polish your guns and get ready, you know, to blow people away. It means you should be ready like the apostles. You are an exceedingly great army, the holy Christian church, and what you fight for in this world is hope. What you bring to the world is hope. What you proclaim to the world is that there is another kind of life that death cannot steal away, that there is a joy in this world that no amount of restrictions and no amount of fears and no amount of despairs and nothing in all creation can ever sap from you. For you are messengers. You are messengers of the living Lord Jesus who proclaim in your words and in your very life, your very being, that you have hope. Now, I don't mean that you're just optimistic people, that you have to walk around and always be smiling. The message of Christianity and the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ does not simply mean that, you know, keep a stiff upper lip, always be smiling, pretend like nothing bad is ever happening. Nor is it simply a matter of, hey, if you believe in Jesus, you're going to get everything you want. Wish fulfillment, Jesus. Jesus is no genie. But what our Lord Jesus Christ does bring is a hope in him that is incorruptible. A hope in him that does not die. A life in him that cannot be taken away. And a mission in him that even the gates of hell cannot prevail against doesn't mean you're going to get everything you want. It doesn't mean you're going to have smooth sailing. After all, look what happened to those guys who were in the upper room. You can look around the room this morning. You can see these tortured devices that are hung in their windows that remind us of how those apostles were martyred. But what it means, what the peace of Jesus means, is that life triumphs over death, that forgiveness triumphs over sin, that the truth triumphs over the lie, that the life of Jesus Christ and his spirit will not forsake his people. You have something worth living for. You have something worth hoping in. And the good news, the most wonderful news, is that not only is it worth hoping for, like maybe someday Jesus will come again, that maybe someday his kingdom will fill the whole world, but you can take it to the bank. For just as he is risen, he is coming again. And just as he is risen, his kingdom endures forever. So set your hope on him. Live for him. Live for the kinds of things that Jesus Christ lives for. Hope for the kinds of things that Jesus Christ hopes for. Desire the kinds of things that Jesus Christ desires, and you will find that your bones don't dry up and wither away, but that you become a strong and living and exceedingly great army, the kind of army, the kind of army that other people want to actually join. To Christ be the glory now and forever. Amen.